Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. Quite the week weather-wise as far as uh, some sunshine and uh, yeah, a little bit on the humid side, uh, especially in our area. Perfect. You like it, do you? I love it. Oh, I hate the heat. I'm the weird person. (laughs) I have to enjoy work just so I can get into the air conditioning. (laughs) Oh, no no kidding. No kidding. My house doesn't even have air conditioning. I'm dying here. Yeah, I know our house either. I don't think our guest has air conditioning either. He was just talking about opening a window. That's right. (laughs) But uh, at least he's got that that sweet ocean air. Excited to introduce our guest as Mr. Thomas D'Agostino. Sir, welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Thomas, we've been, we've been going back and forth a little bit on online there, and uh, I've been doing a little bit of research as well. You've authored quite a number of paranormal books, uh, specializing in the East Coast, uh, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Vermont. Uh, I, I assume that that's where you're from, and that's why you write about the East Coast. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the paranormal, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, uh, I actually grew up in a haunted house, and um, it was funny because I had eight brothers and sisters, and uh, sometimes they would all sleep downstairs. I'd be upstairs, and, you know, things were happening. But uh, it's, the funny thing about it is after we all moved out, my mother and father said, you know, I think you're right, because they'd hear footsteps walking around upstairs in the empty bedrooms that, you know, no one was no longer occupying and things like that or noises and banging around. So it got me into it very early. I was always intrigued about ghosts and horror stories and things like that. And, but it wasn't until 1982 when I was in college that I stayed in the house for six days and I I had to leave because I couldn't study. We were up all night all the time because of things happening. And that's when I started actually studying the science of the paranormal through different uh, sociology, psychology, astronomy, anything, astronomy, you know, all different things to try and attack it from whatever angle, even meteorology. It's funny how uh, a lot of our guests, especially the authors, all grew up in a haunted home. And can you tell us some of the things that were going on inside the house? And where we were, you know, you said you had eight brothers and sisters. Were, were they being affected <laughs> by it as well? And yeah. was, it, was it something that your parents were kind of aware of, but they wanted to ignore? No, I think because there's so many kids in such a small house. I think they just pass it off. as always your brother or, you know, your sister making noise or whatever. But, I mean, we're in the middle of the night. We're upstairs in bed, and all of a sudden um, you see something like uh, – through the window, you know, the light coming through the window, you see like a head run by the window on the inside of the room, you know, and everyone else is sleeping. And or uh, you like one of my musical instruments would suddenly strum as if somebody ran their fingers across it really hard, uh, all kinds of stuff. We'd be hearing banging from inside the cubby holes as if someone was playing in there. 
Uh, and it wasn't like squirrels or anything because they couldn't get in. You could, they could never get in. And it couldn't be any people because the rafters, you'd fall through and then end up in like the kitchen or my parents' bedroom because <laughs> there were no flooring there. So it was kind of interesting. Did you ever, once you became a paranormal investigator years later, did you ever wish to go back to that house and investigate it? Well, I actually never investigated it per se. In fact, uh, what my um, we it's being rented out. It just my brother bought it, and he's owned it until my parents passed away, and uh, he just just decided he was going to rent it out a few months ago. So it was it's been like in the family available for us to go to since 1963 till you know uh, March of this year. Hmm. I'm so I'm surprised that you never tried to stick your way in there and try and figure out what was going on. Oh, we could have gone in any time. I mean, we, <laughs> except for now, not as event, we'd be trespassing, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we knew what was going on. So <laughs> maybe the spirits of the house didn't want you to come in there. Maybe thought the, you, yeah. might, you know, you might make some attempt at removing them, bring someone in to get rid of them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the science seemed very important uh, to you. And so you were more or less not only looking for spirits, but maybe looking for the answer to why they were here? Is, is that what the basis was of, of studying all the sciences? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, to me, it wasn't just re- like you could read a book and go out and do this because somebody said, you know, hold a meter six inches to the left and you'll get something. I wanted to study like why and, and what is the possibilities and how many um, possibilities are there? You know, because we can't go to the other side and hang out with like Jim Morrison and Elvis. That is if they did. And come back and say, yep, yep, this is what they told me. So, uh, you know, by studying all these different sciences and you can, you got a big, bigger toolbox. Like I studied um, meteorology because of pressure zones, you know, because weather patterns, weather patterns. Here it's raining like heck, but in the, you know, in the south, um, well, Midwest, they get lots of tornadoes. You know, way, way up north, it's frigid, cold, or all different kinds of weather patterns are caused by pressure zones. So why couldn't that pressure zone be the size of a room, creating an energy pattern that would stay there? I, I think you're the first one to actually that we've interviewed that has used meteorology that way. But uh, <laughs> to me, it sort of makes sense because, like you said, the pressure zones, and which can affect frequencies, uh, you know, from all over. So... Uh, so yeah, yeah that that's a very interesting uh, point of view on that. So you're also an investigator. You will go to haunted homes, haunted buildings, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we've done. My wife and I now we're going on over like fourteen hundred investigations that we've done. And um, when we do the private ones, we don't like tell anybody. We don't mm-hmm. like advertise on 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 Facebook. Um, we're going to do a private investigation. It's secret, but it's at one fourteen Whipple Lane. You know, we don't. It's between us and the people. A lot of times they say, "Can you put this in the book?" Or can you, you know, because they want some sort of fame. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, after you go on Facebook or whatever mediums you know you use, and advertise it, then we'll ask you if it's okay. <laughs> you know. We never, ever do anything like that. But we always share our findings with anybody and everybody. You know, we won't say this came from, you know, Dan Smith's house. But we'll say this happened during an investigation. Right. We always freely share everything. Are there certain locations that have inspired uh, entire books that you've written? Actually, um, in Rhode Island, there's a... the Ramtail factory, which was actually a factory and a village in itself. 
and it had like a store, a blacksmith shop, you know, the homes and then and the factory. And um, act, two people actually committed suicide in it between 1817 and 1822. And one of them, Pele Walkup, uh, was the most famous haunt of the place. They actually saw his ghost there. He was ringing the mill bell. Uh, he actually caused the factory to like go out of existence, basically. And I just fell in love with the story because it was such a perfect romantic ghost story you know a guy wants revenge he commits suicide or dies rather strangely then comes back and haunts the mill until like the people in the uh, village don't want to work there anymore the place becomes abandoned and now it's just a land trust and it's also Rhode Island's officially haunted site it's mm -hmm. on page 36 in the 1885 state census as saying haunted wow uh, yeah. is uh ramtel factory you, you've written a book about it and i, I guess it, it has had a bit of an impact on you because you use uh, a bit of it in your, your email address as well yeah. so this is something do you think there's more of a connection there you think maybe a past life you're drawn to it in a way or or it's just it's just one of those places that you just can't get enough of yeah because when i first um in uh I first read about it in like 1973. I didn't think anything about it. Some guy put it in a local paper, you know, about it being haunted. But it wasn't until like 1992 when I read about it in an old Rhode Island magazine. I was like, this sounds so cool. You know, the guy gets into an argument. Uh, someday you're going to take the keys to the mill from the pocket of a dead man. And then they find him hanging from the bell rope. And then he's running the factory at midnight, waking everybody up. I mean, it was the coolest thing. I wanted to see this place. And when I got there... It was like most people would be disappointed because all there was was foundations, but I yeah. thought it was awesome. Um, and, uh, before we get into some of your personal paranormal stories, because if you've done fourteen hundred investigations, I'm sure you've got a few <laughs> a few doozies for sure. Uh, one book that stands out is the one about vampires. Oh and yeah, I'm not even uh, wasn't even aware that uh, New England had a you know, uh, folklore of vampires. We always think of New Orleans, uh, Romania, Transylvania, that sort of thing. Um, where does the uh, the folklore of, of vampires come into play? From 1784 to actually 1892, as we know it, uh, hundreds if not thousands of exorcisms took place of people digging up their loved ones in fear that they were called spectral ghouls. Uh, they were actually dying of consumption which is tuberculosis, and there was no cure uh, for it at the time. So, you know, it was very contagious. And it could wipe out whole families. And of course, these people dying, they're delirious, and their brother or sister had just passed away, and they're seeing them at night coming through them in their you know, delirium. So uh, it, it caught hold uh, in the colonies around that time, and also uh, some of Voltaire's writing, who said that a, a, a vampire, is a person who bites somebody either on the neck or on the stomach somewhere where they can't be seen, and then they catch consumption and die and pass it on. So, wow, there you go. And these people called them spectral ghouls, and they, they fear that they were feeding on family members. So they would go out uh, after, you know, one died, if others got sick. Uh, the folklore was medicine didn't do it, so folklore took over. They would uh, go out, they'd dig up the loved ones and see which one looked most like the candidate for a vampire, uh, having fed maybe 
Uh, the, the body was bloated. It was blood on the mouth. Um, it appeared that the hair and nails had grown. Of course, the blood on the mouth would be with the chemicals, you know, and everything. And, and of course, they died. of There was no embalming back then. And so they cut out the innards, the heart, liver, and lungs, and they burn it to ashes. But the weird part in New England is they would then feed the ashes to the sick with medicine. Oh. And that was a common thing. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 that's pretty morbid. That's pretty gross. Well, if you didn't die then, I'm sure you lived to be like 100. But, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and we, I have tons of accounts in history books and newspaper articles, family Bibles and things like that of, of this happening. So yeah. you've done over 1,400 paranormal investigations over a span of many, many years. Can you share a few of your more uh, exciting or scary stories with us? Well, I would um, I would say the scariest place we've ever been is the division of motor vehicles, but and, and, <laughs> I'm sure everybody would agree. Um, yeah, we were doing an investigation in um, New Hampshire. It was for the book haunts in New Hampshire. And while we were there, we were sitting under, it was an old restaurant, and we were sitting right under the beam that the uh, guy had hung himself in after the Revolutionary War when they went into a depression. And the waiter is coming over and talking to us, the server is coming over and talking to us, the cooks and you know, even the owner telling us a story about how this guy, Jeremiah, um, wants the place, he makes noise, he does this, he does that. And I said, I got to go to the bathroom. So I go into the bathroom. It's a little hallway, about 10, 12 feet, goes in, open the door. I'm coming out. And it was like a football player gave the door a running tackle. It just slammed and pinned me. But the door opened right up to the wall, so nothing could have possibly been there. And I could see there, and I could see inside. I was the only person. I couldn't move this door. Then finally, it just swung open. I get back to the table, and Arlene goes, what the heck happened to you? Because it had cut my face open. Wow. That was an interesting one. Did, um, you, did you ever figure out uh, anything with the spirit through any EVPs or any other... One a girl got an EVP that um, she said uh, she asked uh, Jeremiah, "Are you here?" And I said, "I'm here," and that was it. But uh, anything else, no, because we were more or less working for the book, although we were recording and stuff. So I think he was, you know, pretty upset that we we're asking an awful lot of questions. Uh, Aline's been picked up. I've had something like an, a, a force of energy just blow right through me, and uh, I mean, I actually screamed. That's how it was. It was almost like, whoa, and it just went right through me, almost as if, like, it was taking me, my insides with it. Wow. Um, yeah. One of the things, like, we're also paranormal investigators. We often forget, and sometimes we take it for granted, uh, about doing personal protection or making sure that nothing follows us home. Mm. Is there something that you have done over the years to, to keep uh, the attachments away or has anything ever followed you home and, and uh, caused a little bit of chaos in the your house? The only time we've ever had anything come in our house with us is when we've taken antiques or something. But we have done, I mean, I remember one investigation. We um we, we left the house with our equipment and Arlene was going to put it in the car. I said, no, come on over here. I, said, I took it and I dumped it all in the street and we smudged it <laughs> before I even put it in the car. That's how bad this place was. Wow. And did it work? Yeah, where our equipment was fine, we were fine. <laughs> we didn't have knives flying at us or anything. <laughs> no. Do you do you keep a, a record of all your investigations? Like a, uh... yeah, a logbook. Yeah, and it has a certain paper I made, which can tell also the like um, 
the moon phase, the weather, what it was like, uh, barometric pressure, uh, you know, and all in the sun's geomagnetic <laughs> field, <Right. laughs> all that stuff, you know, solar flares, whatever. But are yeah, any, I, are there any commonalities that you've really pinpointed? Yeah, we have found a lot of commonalities in certain times of the year, believe it or not, in certain places. Um, we do ghost hunt dinners or paranormal dinner investigations where people come to these haunted restaurants that we know of and or inns, you know, uh, hotels like the Hawthorne in Salem. And they give us the haunted rooms and we still write everything down. And we found like in certain areas at certain times of the year, the activity is more prevalent especially if there's certain weather, you know, patterns and things. It's, it's that energy that yeah. I, I guess that's developed. Are, a lot of the, uh, some of the locations that you, New England is very old. One of the first settlements, I guess, uh, when the British came over. Do you find a lot of the buildings might be made of limestone or a certain type of, uh, uh, you know, there might be rivers, lakes, ponds nearby that, that might enhance that energy as well? Well, yeah, New England is um, has tons of underground streams and tons of quartz that was obviously dumped during the uh, glaciers, and that's a that's a battery in itself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't know, you know, if you, I could have an underground stream going right through the bottom of this, underneath this house, you know, thirty feet under, running right through a quartz bank, <laughs> and you have you no clue. Stuff a battery, yeah, yeah, for, 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 for sure. You you have dining with the dead. Mm-hmm. Which I guess sounds just like it is, and, and as you kind of t- you kind of touched on uh, little paranormal investigations while you have, I guess, supper or dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, has anything ever happened during any of these dining with the dead? We events? have we have tons of stuff, and I mean tons. Uh, the, the places we go to, like the public house in Stirbridge, the Hawthorne Hotel in Salem, the Colonial Inn in Concord, the Tavern on Main. We make sure that they are haunted and they have a legend of being haunted. But yeah, we use uh we go we use everything from the most modern equipment, uh, you know, the ghost boxes and the portals and REM pods and all these things, which I found funny because a REM pod is nothing more than a theremin. And uh right down to Arlene using tarot cards to field questions and, and uh pendulums and dowsing rods. So our tackle box goes from like, you know, fourteen hundred and eighty one to two thousand and twenty one. And We've we've collected a lot of stuff has happened. I guess uh, a lot of uh, well, hopefully for you that a lot of places are open to their paranormal past or embrace their paranormal events as well. In southwestern Ontario, it's it's not something that uh, places would really use as a, an advertising feature. But uh, I guess out, out there, a lot of people or a lot of places would accept it and just say, hey. It's haunted. It is what it is, and, and it would attract a certain type of uh, tourist. Or yeah, plus they make a pretty good fear for the night. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the money, right? <laughs> I've, I've had that happen. You know, I'd like to put uh, you know, in in my book. Okay, well, will it make me money? I said, you better believe it. And he's guys rapping through stories. And I'm like, come on, half of these are made up. <laughs> no. 
So yeah, it, the, the people, a lot of them, they really do embrace their haunted place. You know, it, it's part of the history of it and the charm. And what the thing about it is that we love is we get like these people, we break them all into groups. So there's small groups going around to each place. And in the end of the night, they've all investigated. Each people brings their own energy in, you know, and, and I may be in a room, I'm taking, uh, let's say I'm taking the ballroom, the ghosts or spirits or whatever you want to call it, may not even want to bother with me, but someone walks in and they're attracted to them because maybe they have the same energy field or aura and boom something's gonna happen so it's always cool we always we always encourage them to you know ask some questions speak as if they're hanging out with you right now you know don't don't drill any anybody you know don't there's no you don't need to uh why did you die talk to me now and all that junk that's ridiculous we talk as if they're just hanging out with us we get a lot a lot a lot of results because of that has your style of investigation changed over the years as well? Like, um, like you mentioned, treating them as, as if you're hanging out with them. Uh, you, have, you have to see paranormal investigators, you know, especially on these shows where they're trying to call them out or where they're trying to use too much uh, influence or too many gadgets. Was that something that you did in the beginning and maybe have changed? No, I've always looked at it like, uh, um, you know, you go to a party and you're hanging out with someone. And, and, you know, you, you can say, well, I like that person or I don't care for that person. But the thing is, you're not going, where do you live? What do you do? How do you do? How would you die? Do you, like you know what I mean? You, you kind of <laughs> chat and yeah, you do ask a few questions. Like, yeah, so what do you do for a living? Do you like, you know, uh, you know, Russia or something like that? And so the, the, that kind of thing. And, and we ask a few questions and we talk and I'll say, I want to play cards. I got a deck of cards, you know, and things like that. It's, we, we, we work with them as if they're sitting in the room with us. Do you use anything as far as uh, just yourselves type of thing? Is there any sort of uh, psychic correlation between you and your wife or whatever when you're doing these events? Well, everyone everyone has some ability to an extent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we also have an aura, an energy field and things like that, intuition, instinct. And Arlene is very, she's not psychic either. She will never claim to be psychic. But the two of us together are very, uh, I guess you can tell the end, there's energy mm-hmm. with us, you know, and, and we love doing it we, and we do it as a team. So I, it, everyone, you know, loves when we hang out and stuff. So it's kind of like that, you know, we're not, we're, again, she's very polite and uh, she loves talking to them. And she, if there's child spirits, oh my God, they, they just flock to her. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we don't we use she uses the tarot cards and she actually reads them. If she's like uncanny, like you know, ninety nine point nine percent right when she reads them for anybody, but she will never say she's psychic. It's somewhere in the atmosphere, she says. Because the area you're in uh, can date back really quite a long ways. Is there such a thing, in your opinion, as uh, current spirits that are uh, that maybe? in these places absolutely in fact uh one place that we've done investigations at it was haunted by two different spirits that died in the late 20th century Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it was another one we did where um this lady kept seeing some mist in her garage and the house was only five years old and she was like i don't know what this is something keeps like forming in my garage and so then I'm looking around and it's one of those neighborhoods where they cut all the trees down and made houses. And, that, like, and then I look over and it's this old house just sitting there, like in the middle of all these brand new ranch houses. So I said, well, whoever lives there must have lived there a long time. I might know something. So we walk over and the old lady's like, yeah, I've been here. I remember 
I forgot the guy's name, but yeah, we practically almost grew up together. He lived over there. In fact, he was working. He had most of the farm at this area. In fact, he worked right up until the day he died. He was right in the field where that house was when he died. <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah. the garage, there's the house. And this was only like 10 years ago. So sometimes the, the land that it's on has a lot to do uh, with well, the I believe, past. And- I believe it can be. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have a lot of theories and we know a lot, but we still don't know anything. I, I love these people when they say, yeah, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. You don't know because I don't either. Nobody knows. I've been doing this almost 40 years and, mm-hmm. you know, we're still guessing because, again, we can't go to the other side and pull it all out. That's right. There's never, <laughs> there's never su- such th- a thing as a, as a quote-unquote expert in the paranormal. No. no. Right? There's people who are knowledgeable or who have uh, lots of good stories to tell <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of experience, and but it's still, it's it's still not something that you can really be branded as an expert. Unfortunately, I always say when we do an investigation, if I didn't learn something, I must have done something wrong. Do you ever watch uh, other paranormal programs? Do you see the Hollywood value in them, or or are some of these uh, legit? Most most of those um, programs, we're friends with the people. <laughs> And we've been on a lot of them. And although in the beginning, let's say, I, 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 they go to places that are haunted and they want something to happen. But unfortunately, they're spending 10 days filming and, you know, and look to the right. Oh, no, no, look scared. No, um, um, no, you know, or they're going, I'm all alone in this room. Well, yeah. then who's holding the lights, the camera, and the mic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, there is a, unfortunately, a Hollywood value involved in it. Um, but uh, a lot of them, some of the people we know quit because it got too Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They would just wanted that raw down to earth romantic ghost hunting and it wasn't happening anymore. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it did open eyes to people though. A lot of people were afraid to admit that anything ever happened to them. Oh my God, no, I don't believe in that stuff. Oh, you're crazy. You're nuts. They used to tell me that all the time. And when these shows started coming out in larger scale, then people realized, wow, you know, and they weren't so afraid to tell their stories. And then that's mm-hmm. even better because now we get 15 people telling us the same instance that happened, uh, you know, to them, they're not even, they don't even know each other where that never would have happened. So we're like, hmm. Thomas, I'd like to go back uh, at the beginning. You mentioned in college, uh, you only lasted six days at a place that you're staying. Yeah. Now that seems like a, a pretty haunted location. Oh yeah, and, and uh, something that affected you and I guess the others that were staying in this was it a residence or a rented? It, it was. It was a friend of mine who bought a home. It was a, actually a three-decker home, but it was only owned by one family. Where the you know the father lived downstairs and the daughters lived on the second and third floor. But then they moved out and he lived all alone. And and it was kind of funny because my friend bought the house real real cheap. And he said, well, you want to stay there in the winter just to make sure, you know, the pipes don't break. I'll put the heat on. You can stay there while you're in college and everything. And I'm like, sure, it sounds great, you know. And my friend wanted to stay there. He was going out with my sister at the time. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, it's a huge house. (laughs) What the heck? So we we lasted six days. I mean, everything from um, 
the first night I, I, I heard people walking around downstairs and banging around because we had third floor where it was nice and easy. You just had a few bedrooms, a parlor, a kitchen where the other floors were much more larger and you know harder to take care of. And I put powder down and we heard the noises again. And the next day I went there and the powder wasn't disturbed. So we're like, wow. And then uh, the next night we heard this noise in the parlor. It, I, first I thought it was a branch scraping against the window. And I went in there and he saw this glowing figure, like it was crackling almost. And my friend turns the light on and we did, I guess he must've dispersed whatever energy it was. Then the next night we're sitting there with me, my friend, my sister and our cousin, we were at the top of the stairs and something, it sounded like there was a door, you know, when you go up the, the door between the bottom of the stairs, something bursts the door open and comes bolting up the stairs like a madman. Our first thought was people had been squatting in the house and, you know, they, they, they want to know where, they're all drugged up and want to know what we're doing here. Well, whatever it was, it just came to the top of the stairs and blew right by us like a wind. So... Uh, things like that happen. Uh, one of the last things that happened is I was coming out of the kitchen. Again, my sister, my cousin, and um, my friend were there sitting in the couches in the hallway. And it was almost like someone put us on. I never had this happen before in my life, and I never had it happen again. It was almost like someone put us on pause. Came out of the kitchen joking and laughing. And also, we froze. And the window at the top of the stairs came right out of its frame, rolled and stopped at the stairs and boom, just like that, whatever spell happened or whatever was broken. My sister and cousin, they never even hit a single stair going down and out of the house. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of energy uh, c contained to, to, to do all those things as well. That's Yeah, it was. And when I, I took a picture of the house from the outside, I mean, let me take a picture of the house, you know, what the heck. Um, it's, it should be empty, obviously, but when my friend blew up the picture, he goes, who's that in the window? And I said, what do you mean? And it's not like um, a misty figure. You clear as day can see a woman in like a white dress in the window looking out. Wow. You never trust those women in white dresses. I'll yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, we moved out because I, I needed to study. But that's when I started studying all, you know, all those electives. I was going to college for uh, political science in pre-law, but I'm like, wow, you have all these electives. I'm going to take this, 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 <laughs> and see what's up. Yeah, it's always the women in white dresses and the little kid spirits, isn't it? Yeah, they always <laughs> get You just can't get away from them. <laughs> no, those little buggers, they're always causing havoc in these haunted homes. Uh, Thomas, what's next for you? Uh, you've written a ton of books about the paranormal. Uh, any Anything about... Uh, UFOs in New England or Sasquatch or? No, actually, when I was a kid, I loved UFOs. I actually bought Project Blue Book. I was like nine years old reading Project. You know, everyone else is bringing, you know, and nine years old reading, you know, Bernie the Dinosaur, whatever, gets an Easter egg or something. And I'm reading Project <laughs> Blue Book. <laughs> so, but I never, never thought of writing a book on any of it. Or, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of people writing about it. So I, I leave it to them. But uh, we just, uh, book Strange New England just came out two weeks ago from History Press. And that's got over 60 stories of some real strange people and things that happened in uh, this region. That's one of yours. Yeah, that's our 16th. Well, while you were just talking there, uh, and this happens a lot, we get a lot of EVPs on the show, depending on who we're talking to. Uh, I saw like a little white orb go by your forehead. 
on the camera here. And I don't know if you've noticed it. Did you see it, Rachel? I did not. No, it went uh, from the, the door side and across your, almost across your eyebrows there. I was wondering if it, you know, it could have been a bug, but it, it looked too perfect and went a bit of a straight line. So I thought, oh, maybe maybe someone's hanging out in your house right now. Or <laughs> yeah, because come to oh, this house is very haunted. Actually, it's been on television. <laughs> We've had, we have people who won't come back. Really? <laughs> yeah, we have, yeah. Uh, we I have a book this thick. <laughs> Of, of things that have happened in the 13 years we've lived here. Wow. Full-blown like apparitions. Our neighbors see them. <laughs> but Even it, our neighbors see them. But it's, it's not enough for you to pack up and, and hit the road. No, they're very harmless. In fact, it was kind of funny because at the closing, we were, um, it's a Victorian. Mm. And, and um, the wealthiest man in Putnam once owned it. At the closing, people are going, before the closing, we're here. And our new neighbors were, are going, well, have you seen anything yet? Neil asking us to something. Like, what, what are they talking about? Like what shootings? Is this place like a drug neighborhood or something? And what they really meant is the place is haunted because they all saw stuff when it was empty or, um, you know, the people working on the house. In fact, um, I don't know if you know the white house in Wilmington, Vermont, it's famous haunted house. No. Um, the guy who fixed his house to, to sell it that we bought it from his brother owned that he's when I, we, became friends with him he said he couldn't keep a worker here they put like the, the uh, windows have those big window sills they're like six feet they put a hammer down they go like this just reach down to grab some nails or something the hammer's going right wow. in full view they'd hear someone walking up the giant staircase they're looking down at it they can see it and hear it creaking and no one's they can't see anybody so he said he couldn't keep anyone working here and we same thing that's happening to us we have two children that run upstairs and tackle each other and laugh there's a couple of men spirits here a couple of women um, it was a convalescent home for the insane once. Oh no! So there's a lot of energy there. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So you is it? Do you think it's all residual, or do you think there's some intelligent uh, hauntings in there as well? One, well, one once called Arlene's daughter's name. She came here. She lives in uh, Maine, and she came down when we bought the house to visit and stay a weekend. Now we had just moved in. I, we couldn't have been here more than a month. So no one would know her in the neighborhood. They didn't even know us yet. And all of a sudden, in the morning, something yells, hey, Mandy. And Arlene and her were sitting on the back porch, and they're like, <laughs> I hear them screaming. <laughs> and, uh, and so a lot of it's residual, but there is some that uh, are not. And I know a lot's residual because there's a guy, he walks through the um, drawing room to the front door where the stairs is. Our dog chased him once. <laughs> So you've come a long way from those college days where you're running out the door and getting out of there, and now you've embraced your your spirits, and I guess they're part of the family now. Yeah, no more diving through windows. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> when you're going to do an investigation, uh, are you researching the place beforehand, or do you not want to know and just experience it, then research afterwards? I research before. And I ask what the owners might know, and uh, which is really cool because sometimes they know a lot and they're seeing things. And I don't know if it's because they know a history and they're paranoid or, you know, coincidence becoming what they know. But I do have to research because I'd like to know any possible names or any possible things we can ask, uh, and, you know, that kind of thing to try and connect and then when we go home and we listen to all the evidence, if we get something, then I research again. Why did this say, you know, large pizza? Was the guy a pizza delivery person or something? <laughs> Things like that. So I, I do research before and after to try and connect the dots. 
And if nothing happens, well, we still research anyway. Right. The, the thing, I love doing the research, of course. I know I'm fading mm. out on camera here. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, so what's going on with your camera there? You're like, it's all these, uh, these orbs right trapped in time in here. It's haunted. <laughs> well, actually, Danny does live in a, well, he's got something going on in his home. Uh. So we, he's, uh, he's found uh, tombstones buried in his basement. Just one. Just one. Pieces one, of it. One, one's enough. I'm, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm just waiting for you to, I'm just waiting for you to find the skeleton one day. We don't, yeah. right? I think we all, you know, I, I think, and as I've said a lot of times, and Thomas, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me. You know, you always hear about people saying, "Oh, where can I go find a ghost?" Right? Where can I go? Where's, where's a haunted location I can go to? And they say, "Well, they're everywhere." They're in every home, every business, every park, every every plot of land. Like we've done EVP sessions out in the middle of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. in, a f- in a field and, and received intelligent answers. It's energy. It's all around us. That's why I see it as a scientific thing. People always say, well, I, you know, what religion? I don't see it as a religion. I see it mm-hmm. as energy. It's all around us 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so, you, can't, yeah. you can't destroy energy, right? Yeah, right. And if it's, there's it's a place just... where it can be like harnessed, then it might be able to, well, as we'll say, communicate. Rachel? Hi. Very quiet <laughs> as usual. Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. just enjoying. <laughs> yes, the stories. So Thomas, uh, Rachel is our resident psychic medium. And, oh, she, cool. and she often picks up things from uh, some of our guests. And I saw her jotting down some notes there I will share what I found here. Um, The first thing I have to um, bring up, though, is there is a soldier with you. (laughs) A soldier? Yeah, yes. I I don't know if it's connected to the home or if it's connected personally to you. Um, I I feel like it's very connected, though. Ah, interesting, because over here to my left is a Civil War sword and an actual Chippewa peace pipe. Incidentally, when you get a Chippewa peace pipe, an old relic, don't suck into it. Mm. I wanted to see if it was actually real. It was real. And I sucked in about 100-year-old ashes. <laughs> Behind me is uh, rocks from the battlefield at Gettysburg. Ivis Pit and all the places. And over here is another ancient sword, soldier sword. And uh, yeah, we, we have all kinds of relics of New England over here. And, uh, some are from uh, areas of Civil War, Revolutionary War, and everything. Lots that, of it, actually. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the era that you're getting, Rachel? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, I can almost just like the the outfits were were very detailed. You know, lots of embroidery, or I don't even know why I say embroidery, but they're you know, they're very detailed buttons and clips and ah, uh, yeah. I would think of high fashion 1812 or, or civil war yeah 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 it was very like they they looked it i'm seeing a very um i want to say elegant looking soldier so because you know the high fashion of what what a soldier could look like but it wasn't it right. wasn't like you're looking at a, a soldier from world war ii or anything where where they're wearing you know like that that wool stuff that was you know blended it was more he's, he's more like a, a commanding officer he's, yeah. he's more like yeah. a dress a dress uniform probably yeah very we also cool. have a lot of lighthouse artifacts i have wow. pieces of the old minots ledge lighthouse back there and pieces of um 
uh, which, uh, I forgot the other light, the Gurnet point, and then uh, some, you know, uh, things like that. And don't forget, light keepers had to was dress, were dressed very ornate like that too. Okay, so it could point. be. And I also have a piece of the Somerset in the General Donald, the the ship, the General Donald that grounded on Christmas night in um, Plymouth Harbor, the night actually Benedict Arnold became a traitor. And a lot of the crew died. They froze to death because they couldn't get to them. And the Hmm. ship ran aground and sank knee deep. And then um, the Somerset was the one that Paul Revere rode by on, on his way to his famous ride. And that grounded in Provincetown on Truro. And I got a piece of that. Yes. So <laughs> wow. <knows? laughs> yeah, it could be any of any of yeah. that, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you've got a lot of um, pieces that could be a soldier. Talk about home protection, huh? I know, right? You're <laughs> fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, so I also wanted to say um, you're in this awesome time of your life too, because um, whatever you set your mind to you're, you're able to, to do right now. And it's because you do have an open heart, but it's not just that your heart is open. It's because your mind is engaged into that, what you want to do. So yeah, it's a really awesome time for you. So um, bravo for you. Um, And I feel like you're trying to do a lot of things at once too, but it's okay for you because what you're doing is helping people. So you don't mind being busy. You don't mind being all over the board right now either. Yeah. We, yeah. we have never charged for an investigation either. We <laughs> just would never do that. Yeah. I mean, think of it. If we charge for investigation after 1400, you, I'd be zooming you from my villa in France after taking my 80 foot yacht. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. And uh, you've got that type of energy too, that people are just generally drawn to you. And you're aware of that too. I think you, you understand when people are drawn to you, but you're, you know, they're drawn to you because you're making a difference. So it's kind of going hand in hand. It's like, okay, you're drawn to me because I have to help you somehow. Like there's, there's that give and take and you, you understand that too, I feel. And um, when difficulties arise for you, I find like you're, you're so able to stand above it all. You're just, you can, you can just master through all those type of things. You're, you are an, a leader inside your soul and you're able to balance everything. Um, you're, you are very intuitive too. Like you have that inner wisdom that comes to you and you, I feel like you do trust that inner wisdom, which is really awesome because a lot of people don't just remember to have patience with yourself. If you're not understanding the answer right away, it, it's still coming to you. It's just if I follow your guidance. And um, you don't always have to please others either. I was supposed to tell you that. So, um. <laughs> yeah, I learned the, the, the fastest way to uh, be a failure is to try to please everyone. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes, your your key to success to success is um, in the details, and you you pay very close attention to your projects, and that's that's what what is you. So, yeah, kudos to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thomas, do you get a lot of people approaching you, you know, after they realize who you are and they maybe become familiar with your books and say, listen, you know, I just want to thank you for exposing, you know, this or, you know, helping me realize that I'm not crazy. And, you know, they, they feel that connection like, like Rachel was talking about. Yeah, actually, uh, 
It happened today. I was at the store. <laughs> oh. Someone came up to me and, and did exactly what you said. And yeah, and I chat with them and tell them, you know, cool things and whatever, you know, places if they want to go to another place or cool, whatever. They, hey, feel free to email me if you ever want to go somewhere, you know, and you want to know more about it. Because we keep a close thing like that, too. But everyone, like, we meet like that. We're always willing to share everything again, you know, and, and, and we tell them, yeah, if you go somewhere and, and something happens or you want to go somewhere and you want to know about it, just email us. All right. Before we wrap things up, Thomas, we're going to get one last ghost story out of you. That's what our <laughs> that's what our listeners love. And you've got to give us the best one that you can think of right off the top of your head. Okay. Um, this, uh, let's see. In our house, this is a good one. You know, okay. In our house, my uh, we owned the little house next door, which was a carriage house at one point, but it was turned into a little, you know, nice little cabin house, cute. And then right across there is another house, just a yard. My uh, God, the yard can't be more than thirty feet. Anyway, so the guy next in that house, he lived. Uh, he was he was about seventy eight years old, and his truck had a a leak in the transmission. So I fixed it from, I just put a new line in and he's like, what do I do? I said, nothing. This is what friends are for, you know? So he wanted to buy me a case of beer. So I was out running cause I go running and he comes over at one in the afternoon. He comes over with his Walker to tell me that he has a case of beer cause he can't carry it. He knocks on the back door. You look in the back door of our house. You can see the whole kitchen. It's a big kitchen. You can see it. And all the neighbors said is they saw him running across the yard with a walker over his head. <laughs> Come to find out later, he saw, he was asking the neighbors if you know, the house was haunted. And they go, oh, yeah. And he comes to me up and he says, I, I wouldn't, you won't believe what I saw. I saw this short man um, with like a little beard and mustache and a suit and a little boy in your kitchen. And they started walking towards the door and I could see right through them. And that's when he, woof. Now, that guy that he was talking about would probably be Phineas G. Wright, who, um, if you buy, like, epitaph books, the cemetery epitaph books, he's, he's in, like, eight of them. He's, he's buried down the road. He was the owner of this house. And it, on his grave, it says, going, but no, not where. So that was it. But I don't know who the little boy was. But, yeah, it was, that, was a, that was a good one. We've seen him before, too. <laughs> but did you get the case of beer? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> And then it disappeared mysteriously. <laughs> That'd be something to see this, this, you know, this frail old man, you know, booking it like Usain, <laughs> Usain Bolt across the, <laughs> the yeah, earth. Yeah, he, he just had an operation on his back. So, you know, he needed a walk and then the neighbors have seen him run across oh, the road. Oh, my goodness. Over his head. <laughs> That's awesome. Thomas, uh, you've written a ton of books, Haunted Rhode Island, uh, Haunted New Hampshire, Haunted Massachusetts, Pirate Ghosts and Phantom Ships, Abandoned Villages and Ghost Towns of New England. It goes on and on and on. How would our listeners get hold of any of your books? They can go on. Uh, actually, they can go on www.diningwiththedead1031.com. And we have for sale there. Or www.tomdagostino.com. And they can go over to the, the store there and get them. We, uh, Arlene and I, we sign them, whatever you want. You put, and his shipping is free, so you're just paying for the price of the book and nothing more. 
you can also get them at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon and all small bookstores all over New England. And you will ship outside of the U.S. hopefully? Yeah, we can ship outside of the U.S. as well. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> awesome. And, um, yeah. And we and do, um, like I said, we personalize them, whatever you want us to say, we do it. And you're dining with the dead. Uh, now that COVID is kind of winding down and things are opening up, you'll be back at that? Yeah, we already, uh, we've already done uh, two shows. Awesome. That's great. Thomas, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share some of your stories and your thoughts on the paranormal with us. Uh, I can't wait to get one of your books. I'm going to get on there and, and order some. So uh, thank you once again. And we'll have to have you back because I think you're, you've got a lot more stories to share. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. That'd be great. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.